This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. On this week's show, Dexter and Dune release new trailers. The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, and Vin Diesel about to fight. And we're sending you back to the future. Hello there, everyone, and welcome to episode 89 of the From a Certain Point of View podcast, and that happens to be the year that Back to the Future Part 2 was released, 1989, which is very fitting for this week's show. Um, So, Adam, I don't know about you, but I'm really excited to talk about one of my favorite trilogies of all time, Back to the Future. Yeah, no, I am extremely excited for this. I had, I watched the, this is the first time in a while that I've watched the whole trilogy, you know, back to back mm-hmm. to back. And uh, I loved, I loved watching these movies this week. And I actually, I might do it again this coming week. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think I'm going to have to, I mean, I, re- I, w- I watched back to, we watched back to the future together a few months ago mm-hmm. when I got them on 4k. Yeah. And then uh, like last week I watched back to the future part two mm-hmm. and I started a little bit of part three, but I, I need to, to watch part three again still. Um, but I'm very pumped to talk about it today. And um, same here, same here. Yeah. So, what else have you been doing this week? And and do you well, have any recommendations? I've been watching a whole lot of like interesting stuff. I think what I'm going to do this week is actually recommend a, a book. Nice. And uh, I've been talking a little bit about Tolkien on the show lately. You know, between you know, rewatching the movies and reading Silmarillion and Andy Serkis doing, uh, you know, the his reading of um, The Hobbit and then upcoming uh, the whole Lord of the Rings trilogy. Um, so I wanted to recommend this guy that I picked up actually at Half Price Books. Um, and this is called uh, Tolkien, an illustrated uh, atlas. I think calling it an atlas is a little bit exaggerated because, I mean, there are some maps in there, but mm-hmm. mostly it's, uh, you know, some art and some paintings and images and stuff. Um, but then also, and this is written by David Day, uh, but what he does is takes um, you know, kind of the history of Middle Earth, you know, starting from the very beginning with, you know, with... Uh, the events of the Silmarillion is kind of like the genesis of um, of the Lord of the Rings, Middle Earth stuff, and then he actually just takes these little short passages, you know, like like there's uh, about the Black Numenorians. Uh, it's just like a, just a paragraph on on a page there with a nice little mm-hmm. painting that goes beside it. Um, I, I think it's, I mean, it, it's a quick read. It's an easy read, but if you're interested at all in kind of the history of Middle Earth, and you know, kind of Maybe even getting yourself squared for the Amazon series that's coming up, or you know, if you kind of if you're interested in Lord of the Rings, you want to dive back farther. I think this is a good way to do it. Um, 
that's not quite as heavy, you know, because Tolkien's writings can get pretty heavy. And I think that this is a good, almost like Reader's Digest version of uh, of those events. So um, I, I I think it's it's a good uh, abbreviated walk through the history of Middle Earth. So that's uh, called Tolkien and Illustrated Atlas. Nice. Thanks for that recommendation. I, I didn't know that existed. And, you know, like you said, Tolkien's work, it can, it can, it, it can be a little dense, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> um, th- there's a lot to it. What I, what I love is the world that he created and how much depth there is to all of it. And, um, just getting to explore it in various ways is, is interesting. Yeah. I, th- I think this is a good way to explore it. You know, that mm-hmm. gives you an idea of what the history is and, you know, kind of that type of stuff without, you know, with, I mean, and, and maybe it gets you interested enough that you do want to pick up the Silmarillion and try to read it and that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, it's a really nice little book. It, it, it's a, like I said, it's a quick read. Um, I read like most of it in like one sitting, you know, it, it, it's a pretty easy read. Uh, it, it's a nice book too. It's like a faux leather cover, you know, almost, you know, feels like an old Atlas or you mm-hmm. know, map, that type of thing. So it, it, it's a pretty good book. I'm, I found it on Amazon. Like I said, I picked it up at a half price book. I think it was like seven or eight bucks, but I think Amazon had it for like 15 or something. It's not too expensive. So. Um, I yeah. think it's a good investment. I might have to borrow it from you sometime. Yeah. Check it out. For sure. Um, my recommendation this week is going to be uh, Marvel's Assembled um, that focuses on Loki. And uh, I just think this is a really nice look. It's about an hour long. It's 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 a nice look behind the scenes at the you know creation of the series. And it kind of goes through each episode. If, if it goes in chronological order pretty much as far as I could, I could tell there. Um, and it just kind of, I think it confirms some things that, you know, we, we all probably talked about and thought as we were watching it, but it kind of confirms that whole, mm-hmm. like the Loki self love thing and, and Sylvie definitely be, being a, a Loki variant. And it, at least it seems to confirm some of those things. Um, but, the, but, you know, actually their idea behind the Sylvie character was to kind of blend, um, y- you know, the Enchantress enchantress character with like, you know, Sylvie. And, 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 and so, it, you know, it, it kind of, I felt like it answered some of those questions that I had. And um, I, it's really cool seeing Tom Hiddleston and his love for being this character. Um, and, and he just seems to really be enjoying himself as, as he's, you know, creating this show and everything. And, um, and, and, and there's a moment where we get to see Richard E. Grant and, and him kind of, um, interact with each other. And, and I enjoyed that too. And, um, it, it's just a nice look behind the scenes of, of Loki. Did you check this out yet? Adam? I did. I, it was a really good episode. It's probably actually mm-hmm. my... Um, probably my favorite version of this of the assembled series so far. You know the three that yeah. we got. Um, I I was kind of opposite. I don't think that it actually answered any questions for me. Um, like I I, I saw that as like an artistic approach. So I don't know that mm-hmm. that's the direction that they're going with that. Uh, I loved uh, uh, Tom Hiddleston narrating it. You know those little yeah. interlude parts. I thought that was really really cool. Um. The one I remember, like you said, the, the Tom's love for playing that role. I remember, um, I believe it was a Comic Con panel uh, that they showed him at. Yeah, know, and he was in yeah. character. Yeah, yeah. 
that part stood out to me, just you know how much fun he was having and and stuff like that. So yeah, I, I thought it was an excellent episode. Uh, really complimented the show well. Yeah, I, I agree. And and being a non comic book reader, and as you know I've what said they did over and over again, <laughs> they didn't save He Who Remains for a separate documentary eight <laughs> months later. <laughs> right, right. Thank goodness for that. Um, but yeah, I I. That was a good thing that they didn't do. They didn't pull a Mandalorian <laughs> on us. But also just the fact that like me not being a comic book fan, like them kind of showing how the comics, yeah, you know, yeah. influenced their decisions and then right. the direction they went with the show. It was, it was cool getting to see some of that too. Um, so I, I definitely recommend checking out Assembled um, Loki. If, you know, obviously if you're a fan of the show, I think it's definitely a must watch. Um, but with that being said, we are going to talk about some news for this week. Sold out every copy. Tomorrow morning, Spider-Man, page one with a decent picture this time. Move Conway to page seven. There's a problem with page seven. I make it page eight and give him 10% off. Okay. I make it 5%. That can't be done. Get out of here! So, Adam, we're... We have we announced officially. No, we what, haven't. But I, I was what August is going to be? Maybe this might be a good place to start talking about it. <laughs> yeah, when the, I saw I, this, I mean, in the news, let, yeah. This is why I put this in the news because mm-hmm. of what we're going to be talking about in August. You know, Adam, if you want to talk about that, I'll, I'll let you talk about that. Yeah, sure. So uh, August is going to be Alien Month on our show. We've been talking about alien stuff lately, you know, between the DOD report. And we're, we're actually, I, th- I think we're going to talk about that one week in August. Aliens in and August. And then we're going to spend the rest of the month kind of talking about our favorite, like, alien invasion movies, you know, uh, that type of stuff. We're, we definitely have a few mm-hmm. already on the list. Uh, and to flush out that list just a little bit more. Um, but just to give you guys an idea, uh, you know, Independence Day is on that list. Um, I know I would like to check out Alien, uh, you know, one of the mm-hmm. most classic, uh, I think, of all time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but that's sure. what we're going to do in August on the show is, you know, kind of take it out of this world. <laughs> we'll just go with a <laughs> crappy <laughs> pun. It's, it, it's going to be literally out of uh, this it's world. It's going to be um, so far out, yeah. And, you know, we also have that J.J. Abrams yeah. produced um, is that coming out in August? UFO show that's going to, I think, coming out in early August as no well. Crap. Maybe we can talk about that, too. Hey, so. this is yeah. working out. This is... Uh, I think it'll work destined. out nicely. Yeah. <laughs> but in that kind of sci-fi genre, there there's a movie that was released in 2009 called District 9. Adam, did you ever see this movie? Yeah, once. Like, a, like you okay. know, back in, like, 2009. It's been a long time. Yeah, I, re- I remember a buddy of mine, Brian and I, We and there may, may have been other people going to that, I don't remember, but um, we saw District 9, and we were both very kind of like, I don't know, it had a See, big See, that's impact. how I felt it, yeah, uh, yeah. What were you going to say? I don't know, I, I wasn't like blown away by it, I guess. Right, but it, but there was there was something unsettling about it that really yeah. that really yeah. affected me. It, it was like okay. this very visceral kind of experience yeah. with what happens right. to the the main character and and the transformation he he goes through. 
Um, you know, if you haven't seen it yet, I don't want to spoil too much, even though it came out in 2009, but, um, I, I do, do recommend it. Um, but I, I remember at the end of that film thinking to myself, I really want to see a sequel to this. I want to see district 10, you know, I want to see what comes after district nine. Um, and I was Neil Blomkamp actually, who announced in February that he would be making a sequel to the sci-fi film. And he said it's still being written. He talked to IGN and he said he couldn't figure out what to make. And that's why it's been so long. He didn't want to just make it for the sake of making a sequel, which I think is always a good call to have the right script and the right story if you're going to do it. Um, and he says that while District 9 focused a lot on South African history and, and everything and the location that, that took place, um, the sequel would likely be looking at the United States to draw inspiration from. And he's, uh, is quoted as saying there's a topic in American history that, um, would fit into the world of, you know, district nine very well. So I'm not sure what that topic would be. It's up for speculation, but, um, he is working on it and I might actually get to see that sequel that I was hoping for like over 10 years ago. So, um, <laughs> Nice. So yeah, that's District 9, District 10. Brittany and I just recently finished watching the first season of Dexter. Uh, I watched it a few years ago, and, and Brittany had never seen it. Um, and by the way, the first season is really good. I mean, it's, it's really well done the way that, that, you know, it's each season is like 12 episodes too. So, um, you know, you could get caught up by the time that this releases and we got a release date and we got a new, a new trailer, um, at, um, during Dexter's comic con at home virtual panel. Um, and the release date's going to be Sunday, November 7th. And we get just a, a more of a look at what's going to go on in this series called Dexter new blood. Um, and I know, you know, the creators have really been thinking about the ending because I know fans were pretty disappointed, by the ending of Dexter, the Dexter series finale. And I think they want to make that right. And that's definitely something that they have in mind for, for this um, limited series. So I am certainly excited about that. Sounds good. Another movie. I mean, that, that was a show that started with a D and here's a movie that starts with a D that I'm really excited about. And this is Dune. I'm just, we're just going with, uh, what is it? alliteration it's, 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 here today it's, well, yeah i was gonna say this is sesame street level <laughs> <laughs> sorry i'm teaching my four-year-old daughter about her letters so it just... also starts with d <laughs> yeah um <laughs> but i was very excited to see a new trailer for dune i'm really excited about this film i'm really excited to, to see you know even though it's based off of a novel and everything i'm really excited to see something that's not a sequel that's not a prequel that's not you know it's 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 kind of going to be more fresh and original, hopefully, um, mm -hmm. than remakes and sequels and all that that we often see. But um, th this looks like a great film. And I started reading the book. And in the trailer, you can actually see parts of the scene that happened in the first chapter of the book that I read. And it was like, really exciting. I was like, Oh, cool. You know, I just read about that. Because um, <laughs> usually, I don't read books until after the movie comes out. Um, right. And I don't even know if I'll finish this thing before mm. October 22nd when it comes out. But there, there is a new trailer for Dune. It looks epic. The cast looks great. I mean, it, it's just 
loaded. We got, you know, um, Timothy Chalamet, Rebecca Ferguson, Oscar Isaac, Josh Brolin, Stellan Skarsgård, Dave Batista, Zendaya, um, it, it sh um, Jason Momoa, Javier Bardem, or however you say his last name. Um, so it, it's just, you know, I'm really excited about Dune. Yeah, I'm excited for it too. I, I'm, I'm still, still hoping it doesn't, you know, be able to live up to all that hype that's around it. There is a lot I feel of like hype. Some, so, yeah. I feel it's like sometimes that's a recipe for a letdown, but mm -hmm. uh, hopefully, hopefully it doesn't. Hopefully that doesn't happen because it does, it does look interesting. I would like to see, uh, you know, I would like to see this do well. So. Yeah. So very excited about that. And it was also announced that they were unsure if Dune was just going to be theater only or if it was going to be day and date on HBO Max, and it is actually going to um, go day and date. So it'll premiere on HBO Max and in the theaters. I will definitely see this one in the theater um, and then enjoy it again probably a couple more times on HBO Max if I like it the first time. Um, and this next um, piece of news, Adam, I, I put this one in here for you because I figured you'd be excited yes, about I, this. Yes, um, I am very excited for this. You had talked about the Marvel series What If being an animated mm. series and being excited about the potential for more animated series. They um, listened. In, with the MCU and Marvel, and they, they listened. They did. Um, mm. So speaking to Variety in an interview, Marvel's executive VP of film production, Victoria Alonso, said that Marvel Studios plans to launch its own in-house animation branch and mini studio um, being focused on animated projects outside of What If. So, Adam, what are your thoughts on this? I just want to say, because Marvel's listening, thank you, yeah. Marvel. And thank you, Adam, for coming up with the idea. Yeah, yeah. They should they thank you, really. Check. Yeah. Yeah, directly to me. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I'm very excited for this. I mean, this is, to me, this is the way to get around licensing issues with Spider-Man. I think that, you know, Spider-Man can stay in the MCU or, you know, they can do other stuff with Spider-Man uh, that's not film related because that's where the breakdown happens is on film versus on, you know, TV or you know, stuff like this. You know, we, we can see more what if and i know they're talking about outside of what if um you know this is where we can get into you know more characters that aren't maybe quite film ready yet you know they're maybe not mm -hmm. you know the most popular characters in the world that, that are you know ready for that big time treatment yet but maybe they can start to build those characters up you know and and get them into you know, it's almost like a minor league <laughs> in some in some respects uh superhero minor league mm -hmm. um but I love animation. I can't wait to see what they do with this. Uh, you know, this is something that can work. Star Wars has proved that you can have, you know, that type of canon animation that really complements the films well. And, uh, you know, I think I, I hope that's what happens here. Um, yeah, I think this is definitely a, a smart move and I'm excited to see what could come out of that for sure. in animation. Another show I'm very excited about, based off of a video game, one of my favorite games, The Last of Us, and I know I've talked about this TV show before, um, coming from HBO, and it's uh, filming actually in Al it's going to be going to be filming in Alberta, Canada. Um, we got a little news on the budget of this thing, <laughs> um, and let's see, this was according to this is a mouthful international alliance of theatrical stage employees 212 president damian petty wow um <laughs> he says that it, 
It has five art directors, an army of hundreds of technicians, six months of prep, and shoots in Alberta for 12 months. Um, can't give the official budget, but it will exceed the eight-figure per episode mark. Now, I was trying to figure out what eight figures is because I don't speak in it's eight figures millions. a lot. Yeah. yeah, I was thinking like maybe at least 10 <laughs> million per the, episode. I had, to, I had to do the math there too. Yeah. I mean, I normally don't even think in terms of six fi- six figures, let alone eight. No, you know, no, I don't I don't deal with yeah. those kind of figures in my line of work. But <laughs> 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 but um, you know that that's a lot of money into, per episode. Getting into Amazon territory there. Yeah, 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 and you know. You, just because they're spending a lot of money on it doesn't mean it's going to be great. But we do know no. Mandalorian had a pretty big budget and Game of Thrones had a pretty big budget and they turned out to be pretty good shows. This could happen with The Last of Us too. I think they're really investing a lot of time and energy and effort into getting this series right. And of course, um, you know, the the lead actor in it, we know Pedro Pascal is, is uh, no stranger to successful shows. And... Mm-hmm. It's also produced, executive produced and co-written by Chernobyl creator Craig Mazin. And I, I thought Chernobyl was tremendous. Um, so I'm excited about The Last of Us, which is going to start filming soon. And last but not least, I thought this was just funny because I really don't care about the Fast and Furious um, franchise. I know you funny. don't either. Um, yeah. And I didn't even know about this, but I just thought it was too I didn't funny. Either. I thought it was too funny to not include here. Um so apparently Vin Diesel and Dwayne The Rock Johnson have had a feud with each other um, over the past couple of years. I didn't know about this. And Diesel, he kind of commented saying the feud was due to tough love, um, trying to get good performances out of Dwayne Johnson, I guess. And uh, in a recent interview with The Hollywood Reporter, uh, Dwayne Johnson said that his response was, I laughed and I laughed hard <laughs> when, when he heard about uh, Vin Diesel's comments about tough love. And he said, I think everyone had a laugh at that, and I'll leave it at that, and that I've wished them well. He said, I wish them well on Fast 9. I wish them the best of luck on Fast 10 and Fast 11 and the rest of the Fast and Furious movies they do that will be without me. <laughs> um, so I, I just thought that was just hilarious. Um and I mean, I don't know. Let's ask that question. Who would win in a fight, Vin Diesel oh, I'm, or I'm Dwayne Johnson? DJ. Yeah, my money's on Dwayne Johnson. Um, he has a lot of in-ring experience, even yeah. though it might have been, you know, I don't want to call wrestling fake because it's not. No, you know, I mean, there's there's a lot of skill and stuff. Oh yeah, but I mean, he's still he's still a big dude. He's a big guy. <laughs> Vin Diesel's I mean, big, but he's no bit, Dwayne no, Johnson. He's not, he's not. He's not Dwayne Johnson big. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'm team DJ on this one. This is, I, I've never been a huge Vin Diesel fan. Right. And from what I've read, I, I like Groot. <laughs> I like Groot, but I mean, um, I think anybody could do that voice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I don't know. It's from what I read out of that article, it just seems like Vin's got a little bit, a little bit too much, a little bit too full of himself. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> it seems that way. And I don't think he needs to coach Dwayne Johnson at all. It's been a while since we had a weekly poll, but maybe we need to ask, you know, who would win or who, who which uh, team are you on? <laughs> team Dwayne Johnson yeah, or Team Vin we'll Diesel? That. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, just put that one in there for fun. But we are ready to talk about the main event. Um, 
of our show this week, and that is Back to the Future. We've mentioned Back to the Future a couple times on the show, and if you've been a listener since the beginning, or you know, even the last 15 episodes, or even if you just listen to the end of our show each week, you know that these movies have had an impact on us. So now we figure it's time to go back to Back to the Future. Uh, we're going to chat this week about each of the three movies, we're going to give them each a little bit of their own time to shine, and then we're going to circle back and talk about you know the music as a whole, the themes as a whole, the legacy of these movies... And we're going to play a couple voicemails that we got. And you know, stay tuned for the end because we got a couple little quick hit questions that I c- came up with that uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk about at the end. Uh, you know, just kind of quick topics that I figured we'd get some quick answers and have some fun with. Josh, um, start at the beginning, back to mm-hmm. the future. When do you remember seeing this for the first time? Um, you know, I could be wrong about this, just going from memory. I definitely didn't, you know, see any of these, like, in the theater or anything. I was probably too young. No, I, would, I, didn't, yeah, um, I didn't either. I mean, you know, I was I think, born in 85. Yeah, I was born in 86, and then in 89, and I don't know if both came out in 89, or if one came out in 89, and the other came out in 90. No, the other, the um, other came out in 90. The third, the third one came out in 90. Yeah, I would have been, like, four or five years old for, for, for both of those, but, um... And I only remember that because I watched it last night and at the end of what well, I watched two the other night and at the end of two, there's the commercial or whatever. Yeah. Which, which is so cool. And I think we'll talk yeah, about that. And it says, it says, I remember it said coming summer 1990. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it must've been on, I, I feel like they show these movies on TV so many times mm-hmm. that I, I probably watched it on that's, TV for the first time. Um, I think that's where I started too. I'm sure at some point I owned the VHS tapes and everything, but, um, you know, I feel like it, the first time I watched these was probably on TV, um, you know, when they showed it on one of the channels. So, but I, you know, mm-hmm. I just have very fond memories of Back to the Future always. Um, so going back to my childhood for sure. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Same, same here. And like, I, I think for me, it's just probably the same. Like, I remember watching it on TV actually with my uncle at, uh, over at my grandma's house, you know, it was on mm-hmm. TV, and I remember you know, that was my first introduction to Back to the Future. And then, you know, it was—I know it was one of those times where they were airing the trilogy. If not, it wasn't the same day, but it was like pretty close. It might have been like you know over a weekend or something. All three yeah. were on, you know, that type of thing. Uh, so you know, I think that was my first introduction to the trilogy as a whole it was mm-hmm. you know over tv and, and watching it with my family so this first movie josh this is um i mean i don't want to undersell it by saying that this is a classic because it is this is one of only 800 films that are preserved at the u uh, on the national film registry at the library of congress um actually the second two were kind of being pushed uh to to get that same treatment as of last year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but that doesn't happen to every <laughs> film. Uh, this one's kind of special. Uh, is is this a perfect movie for you? I think it's pretty close, if if not perfect. Um, pretty darn close. And, you know, I've, 
I hold this up in similar vein to like, you know, the Empire Strikes Back for me, um, you know, being close to being a perfect film. Um, you know, it just it just has everything that you want. It, I mean, it has adventure. It has comedy. It has a great love story. Um, you know, it has great a great score and great music. Um, it just has it's everything you you would want out of a out of a film i think so and i just think the execution of it it's so well done so i i don't find many flaws with this first one how about you yeah i mean i mean for me it's hard i mean there's there's things that you can nitpick and i think when you do that you're really taking nitpicking to the extreme you know mm-hmm. it's like um you know and there's always going to be things with time travel movies that you can you know, say, can that really happen? And yeah, <laughs> you know, sometimes it's just sometimes you just gotta have fun with it, and you know, let some of that stuff slide. Uh, there are so many fun things. Like this movie actually got me to appreciate Chuck Berry more because you know <laughs> of the whole dance scene and Marvin Berry and all yeah, that stuff, yeah. which was. You know, really kind of an ingenious way to, to, to do that. You know, that's you know, Marty McFly gives Chuck Berry the idea for Chuck Berry's music. <laughs> right, right, right. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's great um, stuff. I I always thought that the whole picture thing was like a perfect ticking time bomb. You know, that was like your your proverbial clock running out. You know, this I, I thought that that was, gave the, the film a perfect pace, you know, as far mm-hmm. as you know, this is gonna happen and if we get to this point then everything's then we lose you know and uh i thought that was a perfect like visual representation you know the the the, uh, marty and his siblings fading away in the picture um you know which is again something that they keep coming back to in in this trilogy you know as we'll talk Mm -hmm. about later but i i thought that was a wonderful device to you know kind of signal the urgency throughout the whole thing you know yeah i mean not only do you have that that picture and it's fading and and like you said it gives that visual representation of of time and um but also the literal clock near the end of the film that you know doc is like hanging from and it, it's kind of each minute is ticking <laughs> by and you know right, it, it right. just so, just so great and I think, you know, I'm looking at the Rotten Tomatoes scores for Back to the Future right now, and critics okay. have it at 96%, audience 94%. I mean, that's that's solid. <laughs> you know, that's definitely up there <laughs> among the, the best films. Um, yeah. And there's such a unique relationship between Doc and Marty. And, like, yeah. you don't often see, like, you know, there being this pairing, um mm-hmm. an older character and a younger character and they're like He's the best high, yeah. of friends and high like, school age and yeah you know marty's hanging out at his house before school yeah i always right. thought that was a very unique relationship to yeah that. and it's like it's consistent throughout the whole trilogy too like i know we're just talking about the first one right now mm-hmm. but they you follow these two characters you know throughout the all three movies and and they always have that relationship between each other in one way or another so that's one of my favorite aspects of it almost of makes you film. wonder how that relationship grew yeah like point. how did you know what that, i mean yeah how did that relationship like, get started like did they <laughs> where did they meet you know what <laughs> maybe we'll talk about that a little bit later probably too. wasn't a bar you know <laughs> yeah no <laughs> um so it, it and somebody else was going to play I, I, I Marty, wanna, you know. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. And I, for, I forget who it was exactly, but I remember hearing about it and being like, no, there's no way anybody other than, um, you know, Michael J. Fox that, that could have played that character. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And I, I don't want to rush through the first one because it's so good, but, you know, mm-hmm. we're, we're talking about a, a, a trilogy here, so we've got two more plus stuff, you know, beyond that to talk about. So is there anything else you really want to touch on with the first one specifically before we move on here? It's just always one of those films that, like, you know, I think there was a time, like, several years ago when I was a little bit younger where they played it so much on TV that I got kind of sick of it. But but, but now, like, at this point, it's not that's not the case. You know, like, I'm always excited to go back and watch it again. And, and yeah, it's still on TV a lot, but, you know, like, it's one I always want to go back to and watch, like, once a year. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I just think it's so iconic. I'll tell you something. Um, Back to the Future, for some reason, is one of the few movies that makes me stop what I'm doing, you know, mm-hmm. and, and and watch. Like, yeah, when when I'm rewatching other stuff, you know, Star Wars included, Lord of the Rings inc- included, I'm I can be doing other things. I can be on my phone, like you know, I can mm-hmm. be you know maybe reading while I'm listening to the movie in the background, just that type of thing. I always want to watch yeah. Back to the Future. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I don't, I don't want to be distracted by anything else. I want to enjoy it. I want to watch it. You know, I mm-hmm. want to. It's like an experience for something. If for some reason, it it stands apart from other movies. You know, in that respect, for me, and I, I don't know why. It's just, it's so fun. I love Christopher Lloyd. I yeah. love Michael J. Fox. I love those roles. I love those characters. I love the surrounding characters. You know, a lot of times as much as i love the main characters you know i love mm-hmm. uh you know leah thompson is, is is that was definitely my first introduction to, to uh you know leah thompson um th- just the whole thing for some reason is special you know yeah i, I don't exactly know how to put it into words and speaking of, of leah leah thompson's character and even Crispin Glover, just they both do such a yeah, great Thomas job. Thomas F. Wilson is, yeah, you know, just incredible with everything he does through this whole series. The it, characters it, it, are so rich, you know, yeah, and, and dynamic. Yeah. And like, how and, risky was it? I wonder to have like Marty experience like his mother back in time, like kind of falling <laughs> for him and everything. You know what I mean? Like, like and that's, and that's a thing that they revisit differently in each film. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. you get that, you get that moment. Well, you know, like the waking up from being knocked out moment. You get that in every movie. Yes. Just a little different. And I love how that's yes. changed up because it's familiar, but it's a little different each time. And, it, and each one. And thank feels you for saying unique. that. Thank you for saying that, because one of the things I really wanted to mention about this whole trilogy is that it repeats these familiar beats in each yeah. one. You know, there's it kind all, of it kind of rhymes. Yeah. It, there's callbacks. You know, when you think about the diner scene, there's always yeah. a diner scene with like Biff or Griff mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Marty's trying to, you know, fight them and then get away from them on a, some type of skateboard or, <laughs> you know, something <laughs> like that. Um, so it, it's just great. I love that. Yeah, not even a diner, but there's, you know, a saloon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a saloon as well, yeah. It, it always has those things that it comes back to. And, mm-hmm. um, now, I, I mentioned Thomas F. Wilson, and, like, the stuff he does as Biff, he might be the most, what do I want to say, he might be the most um, diverse character in, mm-hmm. in this. Like, maybe mm-hmm. not diverse isn't the right word. But the stuff that he does, I think, is so different from what everyone else has done. I mean, he does, 
you know, he, he goes from, you know, playing the high school kid to the really old dude. Yeah. To the outlaw and uh-huh. everything in between. You know, he does two different versions of being a kid. You know, he does himself and then he does his, his kid and grand, is a grandkid in the future. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. He does so many different things in the, and they all do. I mean, Michael J. Fox does it. We'll talk a little yeah. bit about what Michael J. Fox does in the second one. Um, but just the way these actors have, you know, approached these roles and done them differently in each film, something unique in each film that you can latch onto and really love. I, I mm-hmm. think that's something unique to this trilogy, you know, for sure. Definitely. So, uh, let's move on to, to part two. Um, this is one of those rare movies that really picks up right after, you know, the first one leaves off and then the second one does, the third one does the same thing. I um, love that about it too. It feels yeah, like one that, just really this... connected, large story. You know? Yeah. I think sometimes that can be risky. Mm-hmm. I think know? it really works really well here though. With this I agree. I, mm-hmm. I really think it works well. And I, I think that, you know, making this, it, you know, it's one, it, it's one story in three parts. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. Um, it really is from beginning to end, one story in three parts, and I, I think it really works for this movie. Um, how do you feel about the second part as a whole? Uh, you know, I think generally this is kind of more or less re- well received uh, than the first. Um, hard to follow yeah. up on the first, but I mean, how how do you feel about the part two as a whole? I feel like part two was always my favorite when I was younger, um, and you know, I loved the future aspect of it. You know, and it wasn't 2015 yet when I was a kid, <laughs> so I thought, oh, maybe some there was of still stuff hope. Could, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I really enjoyed part two as a kid, but I, I feel like as I've grown, I, I see more flaws with it and things that I don't like quite as much. But I, I still really enjoy part two. I, I, you know, I know it's not the most favorably received of the trilogy. And I think, you you know, even again, mentioning Rotten Tomatoes, it's a little lower when it comes to the ratings and everything. But um, there's a lot of things about part two that I really enjoy. Um, I don't know if the future stuff doesn't quite hold up because, you know, we've seen 2015 come and go. Um, and, you know, some of those, you know, things just don't quite line up. But um, But it's still fun. You know, it's it's still fun. And even part two even gets a little bit dark, which I enjoy. You know, there's this alternate 1985 um, yeah. that's very dark. And um, I like that about it. And, you know, I think part two a, is definitely the most complex. It is very complex. And it goes from it goes from, you know, part of the movies set in the future. And then it goes back to 1985. But it's an alternate 1985. And I love that scene mm-hmm. where Doc explains this to Marty, what's going on with this alternate timeline. And, and then it goes back to 1955 and we get a different look and different angles of what happened in the first movie, which was really interesting. And I like seeing those, those kind of different angles of what was going on. Um, and just that attempt to not um, interact with your other self. You know, there's this whole big thing of this time paradox that could happen that can destroy <laughs> the universe, you know. Um so, you know, I, there's a lot of things about part two I, I like, um, you know, I don't like the future stuff now as more as much as I did when I was a, a kid. I always felt that it got a little too complicated. Like I, mm-hmm. like, I know I used that word already, but I always felt like it got a little too heavy with, you know, th- going, you know, maybe we start in, um, 
1985, you know, and then we go to 2015. Then we go back yeah. to 1985. Yeah. And then we go back to 1955. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. um, and while I do think it's it's kind of, I do think it's interesting seeing you know some of those aspects of the first movie again. Um, I feel like sometimes it leans a little t- too heavily on that stuff. You know. Yeah. Um, almost like, almost like you know we criticize some stuff nowadays for being too nostalgia heavy, and it's almost like that's kind of what they were leaning on back then. You know. Yeah. Even though it was only a couple of years removed from, you know, when the first one came out, but um, mm-hmm. I always felt like that was a little bit of a crutch instead of you yeah. know adding adding to it. But um, you know, overall. <laughs> there's still parts of the second entry in this that I just love. And, you know, I still quote and, you know, mm-hmm. the whole, you know, um, unless you got power, <laughs> it's, it's something yeah. that's always kind of ringing in my head whenever I hear stuff like that. And I love the hoverboard, um, you know, yeah. <laughs> all that good stuff. Um, uh, flee <laughs> yeah you know there's so many cool things about the second one you know that we're introduced to in the second one that it's still so easy to forgive some of the parts that aren't my favorite you know and, and i'll tell you what i think when i was a kid and i think what blew my mind the most about this whole trilogy was in part two um, towards the end when the DeLorean gets struck by lightning and you don't know where Doc is and yeah, it starts raining yeah, and that so dude fun. drives in and he gets the letter and he reads the letter and you're like, oh my God, he's back in 1885. And, and then he yeah. then he runs and he sees Doc and tells him and he passes out. And I just love all that. Like I, That's that just so kinda, good. It's good. That's it's so really good. good stuff. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad you mentioned it. I love that part of that movie. Mm-hmm. And, and like it's stuff like that, you know, like I mentioned before, stuff like that is what makes it so easy to kind of forget about the stuff that you don't love so much, you know, right. yeah. those moments that really pay off in big ways. There are some things about the second part that are different than the first, you know, and I'm talking about recastings mainly. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jennifer uh, changed from Claudia Wells in the first to Elizabeth Shue in the second uh, and third entries in Back to the Future. Uh, actually, Wells' mother was diagnosed with cancer. She kind of stepped away from acting to take care of family things, which is totally, you know, understandable. Yeah. Not that she needs my permission to step away from <laughs> no. the movie 30 years ago. <laughs> um, and then George McFly was recast. This one was from Crispin Glover to Jeffrey Weissman. Uh, mm. This one's a little bit of a different reason. Uh, <laughs> It, it really, they couldn't reach an, an agreement with Glover to come yeah. back. You know, financially, he was asking for more, more money than, than they were yeah. pay, prepared to give. Glover, though, later said that his primary reason for not wanting to do this was he felt like the story re- rewarded their char- the characters with financial gain instead of love. <laughs> uh, you know, like Marty getting a dune truck and things like that. Okay. Um. But then, ironically, later he went on to sue the producers for using his likeness. (laughs) (laughs) Talk about financial gain. (laughs) (laughs) But, however, you know that suit was actually pretty big, and it still has pretty major ramifications because they, you know, they did use Crispin's likeness. You can't get around that. You know, the stuff that they used with uh, the 1955 scenes, especially the, and I, I never really thought about this, but you know, you don't see. Um, Crispin Glover in 1985 because he's dead, uh, and you know that's kind of a way to get around not having 
you know, Crispin Glover, Ashley on scene, right? Jeffrey Weissman, who had to be in makeup for the 1985 part, and he's upside down. It's a lot easier to not recognize. Yeah, because I didn't really notice for a while there because right. he was upside down. You know what I mean? Right. Um. So you know, writing him out of the story that way kind of helped a little bit. But then you know, you go back to 1955, and they are using his likeness, and that's actually still around. You know, the Screen Actors Guild has mm-hmm. bylaws or. Yeah. You know, clauses or whatever mumbo jumbo they have to use to, you know, mm-hmm. so that you, know, you, know, you can't do that without an actor's agreement. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, while that does kind of ring, <laughs> um, you know, not so great to me, he's talking about, you know, financial gain and all that, it actually has had staying power in the, in the industry. I kind of want to unpack that comment a little bit, though, um, about, you know, characters being rewarded with financial Let's unpack. gain. Um, I just want to say, like, I really, I mean, maybe in the first one, maybe that's the case with the truck, but like for part two, like the whole idea is Biff has been corrupted by all the money and wealth he's gained. And like, you know, he's really just this miserable, unhappy human being. So I I think one of the themes actually, um, at least in part two is that, you know, money's not going to buy you happiness. Um, you know, and even in even in the first part, I don't know that. I don't know that that's the reward at the end of the movie. You know, no, I, it's I just think that's, obviously. I think that's a side effect. I think that's a yeah bell and a whistle. You know, and and it's what you know because George stood up to Biff in 1955 when Marty goes back. Um, he beca- he becomes a stronger person for it. You know, he's no mm-hmm. he no longer has that Biff doesn't have that control over him anymore and he's able to be, you know, more successful in the future and, you know, have a a, a better job and his mom's not like an alcoholic anymore <laughs> and um, you know, like things yeah. turn out better for them because the change of, you know, history was kind of the course of history was kind of changed, you know. Alternate you know, kind of fixed timeline. Nineteen eighty-five. Biff is. <laughs> I love that Biff. Yeah. When, <laughs> when he's like, he's waxing he's just the a car, bumbling fool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's trying to get away with only doing one kind uh-huh. of accent. <laughs> yeah. I, I love it. I love it. Um, yeah. So transitioning to part three, um, how many movies do you remember that have a trailer or a commercial for their follow-up right at the end? I was one. thinking about that the other one. Night. Yeah. Only one. Um. The Matrix Reloaded did that. Okay. Where okay. at like the end of the credits, they had a preview for the Matrix Revolutions because it was coming out like six months later. But uh, you know, all right. The I, only I think... thing I was thinking, and correct me if I'm wrong, but um, one of the Phase One Marvel movies, I'm pretty sure had a trailer for Avengers at the end of it. That could be. That could be. And I I'm not sure. It, I don't know if it was Captain America, but I, I forget. But mm-hmm. I, I'm pretty sure that one of those first phase movies had that trailer. And that's all. Yeah. I, can think I mean, I know it's not many, but I, but I think, no. you know, back it's to the so future. It's so cool, though. Yeah. So and cool. I don't I don't know if Back to the Future was the first trilogy to do this, but mm-hmm. I, I, I I'm, I'm pretty sure that parts two and three were filmed around Together, the same at like right. the same time. And and then they right, did that right. with. Lord of the Rings trilogy, and then yeah, The Matrix yeah. filmed parts two and three at the same time. So I don't know if Back to the Future was kind of the first to do that or not, but... Um, I don't know. That's yeah. a good question. I, I don't mm-hmm. know. So uh, moving on to part three, I got to say, I personally love this movie. And mm-hmm. you know, the first one has to be my favorite, but there's no question that part three is... A, a, 
close second. I love part three, and I don't know if it's the Western that hits at my heart a little bit, because I love the Western aspects of this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I love starting in 1955 and getting that dock, and, you know, you do the whole transition at the drive-in theater, which I think is a, I thought that was, that's a brilliant transition to go yeah. from, you know, the Cowboys and Indians straight into the Cowboys and Indians. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I thought that was, cool. I thought that was amazing. Um, how, how do you, what do you think about the third movie? So here's what I'm going to say. We're going to differ a little bit here. Um, okay. For me, when I was a kid, like part three was always my least favorite because I was never really into Westerns. You know, it was, it was see, I'm not either. This was a weird, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, but it's been, this one's been growing on me though in recent years. And the more I watch it, the more I appreciate it. And the more I enjoy it, I think it has, um, I think it's just a good film. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I, I yeah. think it's well done and I think mm-hmm. it concludes the series, you know, really um, in a rewarding kind of, you know, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but satisfying way. Um, mm-hmm. And I think this has a lot of heart. I think part three has a lot of heart, you know, that does, the, it does, you know, it's, it get, becomes more about like love and family and the relationship between Marty and doc even gets even kind of deeper, I think in this one. Um, so it's really growing on me. You know, it, it definitely was used to be my least favorite, but now it's, it's growing on me. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, I gotta, I gotta say, I, I, I really love this movie and I don't, Again, it's hard to to put my finger on it, but I love you know kind of the alternate characters that show up here. The, you know the characters mm-hmm. that we're familiar with. I love you know, Buford Tan, and I love yeah, I love his posse. The posse is hilarious. <laughs> uh, you know, he, he, when they play against each other like that, you know, like the whole um, the forfeit the gunfight thing, and you, know, like you win yeah. without a fight, and it's like, you can't do that. <laughs> I, I, I love that whole thing. Let's talk a little bit about um, you know the love interest in this because we've seen mm-hmm. Marty's love interest, uh, but this is where Doc gets his own love interest in Clara. I I always thought that worked really well. I liked I liked those two together. It's it's a yeah. different pairing. I don't think that I was expecting it, but it's it's a different pairing, and I think it really works well together. Like you said, it gives the, that some heart. Um, mm-hmm. it gives doc some some heart you know before i think he was mostly comic relief and you know kind of moving the plot along but i think this gives him some depth and some heart you know yeah and if you think about his character always being so focused on like science and inventing and everything and you know Mm -hmm. um you know and but this this is really different for him because it involves matters of the heart and and love and things that he maybe can't necessarily he isn't familiar with he can't define those things as as well as science and and stuff like that you know but they still have that common ground to stand on because they both love the science they both love and she has the astronomy you know that she she kind of she's teaching him about astronomy and yeah he's you know that that's kind of what brings them together, and then the, the Jules Verne, mm-hmm. uh, you know, is what gives them more common ground. But I think that was, I I really liked that relationship. You know, yeah. Um, and I think it was really heartbreaking actually when Doc tells her he has to leave, and and she makes him, yeah, tell her why, and 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 he does, and she but of, of a, course it, can't believe him in that moment. No, you know, and right. Um, you know, I, I just that really struck me that that scene and everything. I thought that was yeah, well done. 
Yeah, that was that was a, that was definitely a tough one, and you know, it, it was a good, um, it was a good kind of flip flop, and because you know, she says that she believes him, and then she she, you know, she says that she believes that you know he, mm-hmm. you know, doesn't want to be with her anymore, that type of stuff. Yeah, and she kind of flips it on on his head, and you know, he gets a slap on the face, and that one that I think that slap hurts. You know, yeah, yeah, it. yeah. Um, that one that one's hard to see because you know he's bearing you know he's telling her the truth mm-hmm. and it's hopeless you know it, it's a hopeless truth to believe and yeah. uh it's, it hurts because i think you know I, you've seen you've seen these characters grow and you get more attached to them through two movies and now through the third movie i think you really have this strong relationship with doc mm-hmm. and you know how pure of heart he is you know yeah and to see it blow up in his face like that it, it, it's uh it's hard mm-hmm. so definitely so you mentioned how it ties up, you know, the happy ending for all, um, which I I I, th- I think it works out well. You know, we get back to 1985, things are kind of back to the way they were at the end of the first movie. You kind of fix some of this stuff, and uh, you know, Doc gets his happy ending with Clara and uh, a couple kids, and um, you know, you it sounds like you you really like how this ties up. Is that is that fair? Yeah, I do. Um, I will say that I'm always I'm always a little bit sad at the end of of, of part three. Um, just because, well, first of all, you know, I don't like when things end, but <laughs> um, and seeing this trilogy come to an end is always sad. But like, mm-hmm. the fact that like Marty and Doc aren't t- really together anymore always makes me a little bit sad because I I love their relationship and their connection, and so like that always just makes me a little sad that you know they're kind of off on their separate ways and of course they have their mm-hmm. own lives to live and families and to to start and everything so but i but i other than that i i do i do love how it ends i think it's very fitting um that the delorean gets destroyed but then you know we see doc come back and and what i really like is um how things tie back to like things that happened in in part two like yeah um, right. he he uses um like the clint eastwood move and the dual um I love you know, that. I love that cool. with, with the, the steel plate vest. Thing. Yeah. yeah, thank you yeah. for mentioning that because I wanted to mm-hmm. mention that too. I love how that ties back to part two. Yeah, and then also with the um, the printout that um, yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. Why can't I think of her name right now? Jennifer. Uh, Jennifer has that says like it said you're fired, right? It was like mm-hmm. Marty being fired, um, mm-hmm. and then. And, and it was always mentioned that Marty was in this automobile accident in the second yeah. one. It was mentioned, yeah. um, and that's when his life kind of turned upside down. But he, mm-hmm. he decides he's not going to have this race with, I think it's with, like, Flea's character. <laughs> yeah, it's Needles, yeah. Needles. Um, yep, yep. And he just decides, no, I'm not letting my life go this way. I, even though I've, the, the, you know, he, the first time he's able to get past the chicken, the stuff chicken is, thing, being called yeah. a chicken, being called, you know, because yeah. it's tough for a guy to be called like a chicken or whatever other word they might use for that now. Yellow, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yellow. Um, and and so like him being able to overcome that and not making that choice and things turning out much better this time and 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 Doc just saying at the end, like the future hasn't been written yet. It's, it, yeah. you know, you can always change your future. Um, so just right. that message that happens at the end too. I, I really like that. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, so let's transition to talking about some of the music here. Uh, you know, I, I want I'm going to start actually kind of flip this on its head. And just since we're talking about three right now, um, <laughs> ZZ top in this, 
I love ZZ Top. In yeah, this. yeah. <laughs> it's so, um, they're uh, I believe it's called Doubleback, mm-hmm. uh, the song that yep. they they play at the uh, the clock tower thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I enjoy it, that it, quite a bit. It always sticks in my head. I can't. Oh yeah, it's <laughs> I, I can't very help catchy. It. <laughs> It is. But the music in this as a whole, you know, I'm talking about ZZ Top and having some fun with it, but the score, Alan Silvestri's score in all three of these is top-notch. It's phenomenal. Like, it has such a distinct sound, too. And yes. if you've seen other movies that Alan Silvestri has um, scored, like, you know, I, I'm thinking of Avengers and um, Ready Player One, you, you can hear like little hints of that, that back to the future sound that he has created. Um, so it's, he had, you know, it's such a unique sound for these films that that he created with this score. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's one of those anthems, those themes that, you know, first of all, you, you hear it, it's stuck in your head. But mm-hmm. I mean, second of all, you know what that's from, you know, yeah. you play yeah. that for almost anybody and they mm-hmm. know what that's from. You know yep. what I mean? It's you know I, I mean iconic is the easy word yeah but that's really what it is you <laughs> it know is it, it's absolutely you know you talk about like film and industry and I think that this is one of the premier um, works as far as like a score you know goes mm-hmm. it, um but then it's not even just the score you know we yeah. talked a little bit about ZZ Top but then you know you hear you know right after that whole thing uh, you know with the uh, the alarm clock stuff that Doc has set up, you, you know, what do you, what, what do you know? Right after that is Huey Lewis in the news. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it's, you know, you hear that song on the radio and I have to, you know, I feel like I need to watch back to the future. It's like, yeah, dude, the power the of love. Is so is, yeah, it's one of my all time favorite songs. Um, yeah. you know, because it's in, not just because it's in this movie, but like, I, I never get sick of that song. <laughs> like, Such a good song. I, I, I'll listen to that any day. Um, yeah. You know, I just, I really love that song and how it kind of sets the tone for the, the first film. Trilogy as a whole, where does this rank for you in terms of trilogies? I, I think like, I think for me, you have Lord of the Rings uh, might be, you know, tip top. You have Star Wars. Mm-hmm. I don't know where I want to put this. Like, it's almost like, right there at the top also because like i said before this is one of the few that makes me you know really just want to watch you know what mm-hmm. i mean and it's hard to put it it's hard to put it below those two since you know it commands so much of my attention um, yeah it's almost like it's like right there you know mm-hmm. what i mean like top for me it's certainly in my top five trilogies. Um, you know, I definitely have Star Wars original trilogy up there. Um, mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings trilogy, of course. Uh, the Dark Knight trilogy, I really love. Um, Back to the Future trilogy. And there's probably another one that I'm not thinking of. But, it, you know, it's Matrix. definitely... Eh, possibly, but the... Okay, all right. The, the second and third one were, didn't live up to the first one, you know. Oh. But... Um, but the Matrix is up there, but you know, I'd say Back to the Future is right up there in my top five for sure. It's definitely up there. Mm-hmm. Um, what about the first? Like, as far as the first on its own, where does that rank for you as a film? Um, you know, it's got to be top ten. I mean, it's it's definitely up there in the top ten. I mean, like I said, it's it's a nearly perfect film for me. Um, 
it's just a movie I always think of when I think of when I think of great films and I just think of film in general or um, I think of Back to the Future. You know, it's it's always right there on my mind. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's hard for me to put a number on it, but yeah, it's it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's hard, definitely top yeah. ten for me as well. Maybe top mm-hmm. five. You know, I, I think on its own, you know, just for watching the first movie, it's it, it's really high actually, mm-hmm. and I think top five is pretty fair to say for me. Yeah, you know, you have you know maybe the best of the best is Star Wars. So I think for me, that would have to be like Return of the Jedi, and then mm-hmm. you know. For me, I always have Lion King in there. I love the animated Lion King movie. I think that's one of my, that might be my favorite movie of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have like Lord of the Rings might be like, I think maybe like Return of the King probably would be my top there. But then there's Back to the Future. And I think I have to put it there above, yeah. you know, any of the other sequels or prequels for any of the other movies, you know, any of those other trilogies. I think it has to be there. Yeah, I mean, so. Back to the Future is definitely in there, um, in that conversation for me. You know, like my top, some of the movies in my top ten are some that you mentioned, like um, mm-hmm. Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, um, Two Towers, Return of the King. Um, I love The Dark Knight. Um, uh, Inception is is probably in my top ten too. Ghost, the original Ghostbusters. Um, and, and, and Back to the Future is right up in that list too. And again, there's probably yeah. a, some I'm forgetting. But then end game, I really enjoyed. So as Endgame. we're talking kind of like legacy here, I think this is a. No, I don't think that this is definitely a groundbreaking uh, movie in terms of special effects as well. Mm-hmm. You know, um, even the first, I think it holds up. It holds up very well. Very well. You know, there, yeah. there's definitely some things you can see and you can, you know, in hindsight, you know, 30 years later, you can say that, you know, that, you know, wasn't the best. Mm-hmm. But for its time, this is amazing work. And then actually the second is kind of where I wanted to talk about this because the second is where we did some really amazing things. And this is a, this is an ILM, um, you know, achievement here. Why does that not surprise like, me that it was ILM? No. <laughs> um, They're amazing. The things like the, they they did with digital compositing, you know, stitching these uh, images together, you know, to make it a final shot. Uh, Vista Glide motion control camera or something that they used on on this movie, and that's let them shoot one scene, you know, with one character interacting multiple times. And you, you know, they talk about like Michael J. Fox. We mentioned this before. You're playing three characters on screen at the same time between. Uh, Marty Sr., which would be the older version of him, Marty Jr., which would be his kid, and then mm-hmm. Marlene, which would be his sister, um, all on the screen at the same time interacting with each other, you know? And yeah. it's kind of fun for me to watch this movie and see these, like, side-by-sides, you know, like old Biff and, you know, young Biff in the future, especially in the diner scene, you know, kind of see where maybe this stitching happened, you know, mm-hmm. where you can kind of see how, how they put this stuff together and... You know, how, how they were being kind of clever with camera shots and, and stuff like that uh, to make this work. But I was, you know, going back and watching the second movie, it, it's always surprising to me how well it it holds up and how good yeah. it still looks all this time mm-hmm. later. I agree. It definitely so, stands the test of time for me. Top level stuff. Um, but now we have some voicemails that I would like to play from listeners. We've been... 
asking for voicemails and what people you know feel and think about this and you know let them get their thoughts and feelings out there as well so i'm going to go ahead and play a few of those i'm excited to hear these hey this is uh frank uh twitter handle at the the frank 402 um wanted to dial in about back to the future uh i could honestly say back to the future to me is probably one of the greatest trilogies of all time i say i put it up there pretty much next to star wars um i remember as a kid when i was five years old watching back to the future for the first time and just instantly falling in love with it, wanting to be Marty McFly, wanting to, you know, go on adventures with Doc Brown, right in the DeLorean. And even now, um, 30 years later, I'm still more in love with it now than I ever was. And I wish, you know, you know, sometimes you always wish you could go back in time and, you know, change things. Um, but, you know, it's such a it's such an amazing film. Um, you know, I can say so many things about it, but I'm kind of rambling a little bit right now. <laughs> but yeah, uh, it's it's an amazing trilogy. I love it. Yeah, thanks for calling in, Frank. I have to echo pretty much everything yeah, you said there. And, and actually, sure. one of those things that you mentioned that's going to be one of our quick hit questions. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, going back in time. So, uh, but yeah, um, go ahead and play our second voicemail that we got this week. Hey, Adam and Joss, this is Charles. Uh, I see that you guys are doing the Back to the Future homage, and the movie for me is such an uh, important one because it really unlocked some of the creativity that I was going through when I was young. Uh, I used to play Dungeons & Dragons, and uh, we would trade off as Dungeon Master, and the stories that I would uh, put my friends in after seeing this movie uh, had a lot more layers of details and plot points that were not very obvious at the start but by the end of the campaign were, and a lot of it was due to Back to the Future and how awesomely they wove in small details that once you go through the story, you realize and are stunned by. So uh, that was one of the biggest things I remember to this day about Back to the Future, aside from being a great movie and a great trilogy. So thanks for the opportunity, guys, and can't wait to hear the show. Maybe with the Charles to use that French word homage. <laughs> Thanks, Charles. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a, those are great points there. Uh, yeah. And you know, we should talk a little bit about that, about how those things are kind of woven in. And mm-hmm. uh, I think that's awesome that he was able to use that and kind of up his game in D&D and kind of make his own uh, stories that much more intricate and, you know, weaved uh, because of Back to the Future. Absolutely. So, uh, we have a couple quick hit questions. Uh, first up, Josh, if you could, uh, would you or should you go back in time, as Frank mentioned, uh, either as an impartial observer or to take part in events? Would you want to go back in time or should you go back in time? Um, you know, I, I probably shouldn't, but I would. <laughs> um, <laughs> would you like to do it as an, as an observer or would you like to go back and fix something? Um, you know, I, I think there, there's always certain things we do in our lives, mistakes that we look back on that we could change. I mean, and, and, and change those things certainly. Um, but you know, my mind also goes to, you know, being a, a Christian believer, I, I think going back to that time and, and, and being there when 
Christ was on earth. And they even mention, Doc even mentions that in, in the first movie, you know, going back and seeing the birth of Christ and everything. Like, I, mm-hmm. I just think that would be so cool. It, but, you know, the, it wouldn't be cool to have a bunch of people trying to like stone you and um, <laughs> put you in jail and everything. No. Um, no. That would not be no. cool. Uh, but I think just to see some of those events transpire um, would be really cool. But if there, if there was another time I'd like to go back to, I, I really do love the 80s, and, and I didn't get to really, like, grow up, obviously, as a young adult or adult in the yeah. 80s. Um, we would probably be so, more 90s kids. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so I would love to go back to the 80s and just experience some of what that was like at, at, at my age right now. Um, because the movies and the music I always cling to or in love is stuff from the 80s, you know, when I watch Stranger Things and when I watch movies from the 80s, like Back to the Future and Ghostbusters, I just feel like, wow, that's kind of like my time period right there that, that I love. So, um, nice. yeah. I mean, I'm, I'd always be tempted to go back and fix something. And it's easy to kind of say this because I don't have a time machine to be able to do it. But it's like, part of me, like I said, part of me wants to do that. And part of me realizes that those things that I'd go back and fix is how I grew into what Yeah, you I am. learn from those things. That's a great point. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I don't... Like, it's easy for me to say I'd like to go back and fix this and fix this. You know, but then also, I don't know if I want to or if I should, you know, because mm-hmm. that's, like I said, that's what makes me who I am today. Yeah. You know, the good stuff and the bad stuff, so... Um, you kind of already mentioned your, the, the next question I had was, you know, if you were guaranteed to not cause any type of paradox, where would you like to go visit? And, uh, so for you it would be, you know, back to birth of Christ in the eighties, right? Yeah. Anything else? <laughs> Two very different time periods. <laughs> um, you know, I wouldn't mind like going to the future also and just seeing like what's going on in the, in the future, how much things have changed, you know, did we invent time travel at some point in time? Um, <laughs> You know, I think that'd be kind of cool, but also, but you know, there's always that thing of seeing the future. Maybe it's some your future self, or <laughs> no? Maybe, yeah. <laughs> okay. I want to run into my future self. So, I've always really wanted to go back to colonial America. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe around the birth of the nation, maybe around you know that Revolutionary War type period. Now, like I said, with the like you said with you know the crucifixion of christ you don't really want to be there but you know right so i I really wouldn't want to get shot at by you know (laughs) by any uh red coats or anything but um i would like to have been able to see some of that you know Mm -hmm. see what it was like back then see what life was like for people back then see what you know what it meant to people back back then to you know to be part of creating a new nation country that type of stuff so that's sure that would probably be what i would pick that would be very cool i agree okay so last question All this right. is the big one this mm-hmm. is the big one you ready i'm ready how do you feel about any type of continuation or reboot of these movies i'm gonna it say it always comes up it always gonna, comes up yeah I'm, i have to say no no and no okay um <laughs> is there anything that can be done to change your mind on that no Absolutely not. Original um, cast, original anything. The original cast is not, and, and and I mean, God bless Michael J. Fox, but they're they're you know, in in Christopher Lloyd, but 
it just wouldn't be the same. They're not, you know, in the condition to, <laughs> to come back and do this. Um, yeah. So, and, and if it's not them, then I wouldn't want it to be anybody else. And I, I think some things are just well enough left alone and they're just um, maybe not perfect, but as good as they can be already. So like, don't mess that up, you know? Um, so, so no prequel about Doc and, and Marty meeting for you. No, no, I don't need to see it. I don't want to see it. Please, they better not do it. Okay. Um, All right. But what about you, an expanded universe novel? <laughs> nope. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'd like my Back to the Future just how it is. But how about you? You might have a different opinion. Yeah, no, um, not really. I mean, I wouldn't mind, you know, maybe like a comic book prequel or, mm-hmm. or something like that. That, that, I that, could, that could be cool. Yeah, that could you know, be cool. but uh, as far as any type of on-screen, you know, reboot or continuation or sequel or prequel or TV series or anything, I I don't I don't want to mm-hmm. see it happen. I don't think it needs it. There's certain movies that you just don't touch, you know, yeah. and I, I I think that all three of these uh, fall into that category. I think this trilogy is set in stone for all time, and I think that that's how it should say. I am with you 100% on that. So, last chance. Anything else you want to add about Back to the Future before we wrap this up? I would just say that if by some chance you haven't seen these films or you've seen them maybe once or twice. Why are you alive? (laughs) (laughs) Number one, why are you alive? No. Um, You know, maybe you watched it a while ago and you weren't weren't really into it. I just suggest giving it another try. I mean... First of all, the first film, as we've talked about, is just a classic film and and nearly a perfect film, one of the best out there. And and the trilogy as a whole is one of the best trilogies out there. And and rewatching it will allow you to see some of those things and appreciate some of those things we talked about, like those repeated beats that we see throughout the trilogy, um, the actors' performances, and some of those things we talked about with Michael J. Fox playing multiple you know versions of his family members and. Um, and you had mentioned was it Thomas Wilson playing all yep. those versions of that character? Um, the score, the the songs, everything. Um, revisit it or visit it for the first time. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'll echo everything that you said there. The only one thing I wanted to mention that I forgot to mention during the part three stuff is I love seeing Pat Buttram <laughs> as a uh, bar <laughs> fly. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, um, you know, the animation nerd in me, you know, I, I know that he goes back to way before this stuff, but mm-hmm. seeing him, he done he's done a lot of voiceover work, you know, for Disney and Robin Hood is the one that sticks mm-hmm. out in my head. He's the sheriff of Nottingham. Uh, he was also in Rescuers. He was in uh, Fox and the Hound. He was in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. He was actually in a goofy movie, too. Mm-hmm. Um Seeing him in, in live action, just hearing that voice. because Yeah, that voice that, is that, so familiar. Such, yeah, such a such a distinctive voice, but seeing Pat Butterman third there, uh, but like you said, perfect trilogy. I love, I love these three movies. I really actually want to hang up from you here and go watch them again. <laughs> yeah, I might go put back the part three on right right now here. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I love these movies, and I wasn't. I'm not joking. I am actually going to watch these again this week. So I had a lot of fun with the show. Uh, Me hope too. You did too. Oh, yeah, it was a lot of fun talking about one of my favorite trilogies of all time. I hope everyone out there listening had a great time. We want to thank everyone for, uh, we want to thank uh, Frank and uh, Charles for sending in their voicemails. And uh, I had a blast with this show, but now it's time to wrap it up.
Hey, Doc, we better back up. We don't have enough roads to get up to 88. Roads? Well, we're going. We don't need roads. Man, does that feel fitting to end on that note. So fitting. Um, Thank you all for tuning in to the show. We hope you enjoyed this Back to the Future episode. Uh, if you're not subscribed to the podcast yet, you know, be sure to drop us a, a, a subscription. Uh, we're on most of those major podcast apps. And if you're on one like Apple Podcasts that lets you leave a review, uh, please do so. That helps us to get out to more and more people. We are continuing our Discord watch parties on Thursday nights at 10 p.m. Eastern. For sure, we will be watching... Uh, the Bad Batch this coming week. Uh, however, there has been a lot of talk in our Discord server about starting to watch, you know, you mentioned Stranger Things, and I think that there's a big consensus that that's going to be a watch party title coming up very, very soon. Possibly Ooh. this week, I don't know. That's exciting. Um, but, you know, join our Discord server because, you know, it's more than just the watch parties. We have a blast in there. There's a lot of great people in there. We love our Discord community, uh, Discord family, and you can be part of that too. All you have to do is you know, go to the website and click on the Discord logo, and that'll take you right into our Discord server. It's totally free. Uh, you can be part of that family as well. Uh, that website is from a certain point of view.com, and there's also some blog articles there. There's links where you can contact us in other places, uh, which would be socials such as Instagram and Twitter, which are both at certain POV pod. The Facebook page is from a certain point of view. Our email address is certain POV pod at gmail.com. And if you haven't yet, send us in your Back to the Future voicemails. I, Frank and Charles did, and you can too. You can dial 724-901-1783. Let us know what you thought about Back to the Future. You love it. You want to tell us why you love it. So dial 724-901-1783. We are part of the Red 5 Network. There's a wonderful family of podcasts on the Red 5 Network. Um... Check them out at red5network.com or on Twitter at red5network. Uh, it's a wonderful group of lots of different podcasts that do lots of different things, ranging from Star Wars, you know, to what we do this week with uh, um, Back to the Future, or you know, what we're doing next month with Aliens, or you know, uh, there's uh, shows that cover Magic: The Gathering. If that's your thing, it, the Red Five Network is a great place filled with wonderful shows different viewpoints you know we we kind of harp on that a lot and um yeah it's a great place to hang out and a great family podcast to listen to and be a part of you can find me on the internet at the gauze 85 on twitter and instagram josh where can they find you you can find me on twitter at jedi jar jar 1722 and wow that episode what i have to say about it is great scott that was heavy um, and everything we said today was true. From a certain point of view. Hello, this is Nicholas with the Backyard Tardis, and uh, hearing that you guys are going to be talking about uh, Back to the Future, I am just so excited. This is my number one franchise of all time. To me, they're not three movies. They're just one. Uh, in fact, as you look at how they weave and they rhyme between them, the different uh, time periods, they're just done so well written. Um, yes, from a scientific point of view, the fact that everything doesn't take place instantly 
makes no sense, but from a storytelling point, they lay out how time travel works and they stick to it and they do it so well. But on top of that, I I love the period pieces. I love the 80s. I, I love, I wish that was our 2015. Um, unfortunately, the Cubbies came so close, but they didn't win. And where's my flying car? But, uh, and then, you know, you go, but you go back to the 50s and you, you get that, that, that feel and it's just such an amazing story getting to create those different time periods that Back to the Future was something that if they tried to remake it now, it wouldn't have the same feel. Because if we went back to the 80s now, it wouldn't be, uh, the, the, the wholesome kind of look at, of, of the 50s. It was just a perfect time for that movie to come out. And, of course, I loved it so much. I was the weird kid that had Marty's jacket and was wearing it in the middle of June and July when it was 110 out um, just because I thought it was so cool. Uh, So, to me, this franchise uh, ranks my top franchise of all time, and I can't wait to hear you guys discuss it. Have a good day. And that's just my uh, the way I view it from my certain point of view.